Hi, everybody. Welcome to the April 1st, 2016 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the bill introduced in the state legislature this week that would create a new tax on snack foods sold and consumed in Colorado. Dubbed the Funyuns Tax, sponsors hope to cash in on Colorado's successful marijuana industry. Pat Calhoun from Westward. Yeah, I understand, the, I guess, the impetus here to like, cash in on the pot industry. It's not uh, foreign to Colorado. I'm not sure if this is very fair. What do you think? Sure. I mean, if you are indulging in different vices, you are going to pay. You pay tax on the marijuana you buy. I mean, we're going to have a, a billion dollars worth sold in Colorado this year. What I do think is wrong, though, is there is no reason to exempt Cheetos and Goldfish from this tax. If you apply it to one snack food, it should be applied to all. It does seem ripe with unfairness. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Uh, is this a creative approach for the government to take advantage of a budding industry? Well, sure, and it's, this is part of the promise, actually, that the pro-legalization people were saying is legal marijuana will generate more tax revenue, so other people who don't smoke marijuana can actually be taxed less or they can get more government services. The legal question is, the argument is supposedly, because the, the marijuana legalization itself amended the Constitution, to say that basically the state legislature could tax marijuana all it wants and it doesn't need to go through the normal taxpayer's bill of rights request for permission. I don't agree with the proponents of the Funyuns tax that the legislature can impose this tax even though it's marijuana related. I think, that, I think it should go to the voters and I, I would certainly vote for it, but it, it's properly uh, a voter decision. Ben Gelt, political activist, political consultant. Uh, you know, it seems to me that Denverites make up a huge proportion of the pot consumers in Colorado. Uh, is this targeting Denverites? Well, we do have about, I think, what is it, 44% of the dispensaries in the state. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd, I think any time a tax is leveled uh, across the state, you're going to see more of it applied to the city of Denver. And I think it's perfectly fair to, to charge for these kinds of fatty snacks. And, uh, you know, we have pot. People are wanting to eat more stuff. And we ought to derive some more tax revenue so we can pay for our schools and things like that. Alex Lando joins us. Appreciate you being here. Community activist with the Denver Justice Project. If this tax is successful in raising revenue for the state, do you think perhaps even something on like late night uh, fast food restaurants is, that, is next? I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's a very slippery slope as to where the tax uh, gets implemented. I also think that, uh, you know, there are, uh, if they're going to tax unhealthy food, then they should lower the price of healthy foods, vegetables and produce and things like that. A nice <laughs> discount on kale. That'd be, that'd be I, yeah. a good way to go. Yeah. I like that. And if, folks, if you think we were going to have a show on April 1st and not have a little bit of fun with it, then, then of course, you, you don't know Colored Inside Out very well. So we hope you enjoyed our, our little foray there, especially with our uh, support the audio booth there. Let's get off the rest of the show in a little more serious tone. Speaker of the Colorado House, Dickie Lee Hullinghorse, submitted a hospital provider fee bill this week that included a Republican Senate co-sponsor. GOP Senator Larry Crowder is co-sponsoring a bill that would change the fee into an enterprise fund, which some estimate would dramatically impact TABOR limits on the current state budget. Patty, um, even though this has a Republican, state co uh, Republican Senate co-sponsor, do you th still think it has a chance of passing? I certainly hope it passes so we never have to talk about it again at this table, much less try to explain it. I was, uh, I was the MC for one of the Building a Better Colorado events where you're trying to explain to people who weren't even born when the Taxpayer Bill of Rights was passed, <laughs> uh, much less followed Douglas Bruce's progr career progression into jail, where he is again right now. Um, and it is almost impossible to explain it. And there are so many different arcane parts of the Colorado Constitution that also needs explanation. So basically what happens 
you know, we, with Tabor, you are only allowed to fill your coffee cup of the state budget so high. If, you, if this becomes a fee, what would happen is the money coming in, and a lot of it's federal money, would be able, you'd be allowed to tap it, not going over the limit, the Tabor limit, and you'd be able to use it to pay for health care and different issues that we need. So if this passes, and I hope it does, um, we, we still have other things to wor worry about in our, con in our Constitution. You know, we just sent the $27 billion budget. There weren't as many cuts as we thought there would have to be, but that's because the economy is not as good as we thought it was, despite all the money coming in from pot and snack foods. <laughs> so I would say it's time to pass the hospital provider fee. Then let's also tackle issues like the Gallagher Amendment, Amendment 23, different things that really limit where you can put the money in the Constitution in the state budget. We're not saying you necessarily need to be able to raise more in the state budget, but it would be nice to be able to apply it where it's needed. And David, even though Senator Crowder made the headlines of being the Republican co-sponsoring this bill, do you think Senate President Bill Cadman is even going to let this get to the floor? No. No, it is dead on arrival. It will not pass. But of course, if people, for the people who agree with Patty, that's not the final thing. The point of the taxpayer's bill of rights, it's just a consent law. We can take all the money, take as much money as you want from the taxpayers, spend as much money as you want, just obtain affirmative consent first. And this so-called hospital provider fee enterprise thing is a transparent and preposterous attempt to evade the Taxpayer Bill of Rights requirement for affirmative consent by calling... It, when you take a bunch of money from hospitals and then you spend a bunch of money on medical welfare, that looks like good old-fashioned, big government, social welfare program. And if you want to have more of that, when we, even though we have caps on how much the legislature is supposed to spend, how much revenue it's supposed to take in, all you got to do is ask the people. So just ask the people and stop trying to avoid the consent provisions. You don't get a yes until the taxpayers say yes. Ben, if this bill does fail, doesn't get through the Senate, does its failure become somewhat of a martyr rallying cry for the anti-Tabor forces for a ballot issue this fall? It may. I, you know, there have been so many efforts to repeal Tabor statewide. There, there have certainly been much more successful efforts at the local level. Um, I think that it's becoming increasingly easy to attack Tabor, and I think the author of Tabor has, has made it so. Uh, anytime you can point to a twice convicted felon as the person who originated this sort of thinking, I think it helps to, to suggest that the idea is bad. Um, certainly, there's a lot of great arguments to be made for this bill. Uh, the state, I, I don't think anybody questions whether the state is sort of under constraint financially uh, and anything that the legislature or that the people of Colorado can do to ease the burden and pay for schools, pay for roads, pay for the infrastructure that we need, uh, I think will be received positively. Alex, I'm no expert when it comes to state budget accounting, so I, I, I couldn't explain nowhere near as well as Patty explains the, the, the cup and the spigot and everything else that goes to the hospital provider fee. But when it comes to everyday Colorado citizens, do you think they want to see a little bit more of a refund, or do they want to see more things covered and paid for by the state legislature, that, as Ben was describing? Well, one of the concerns that I have uh, with this transformation would be I, it feels like it's almost a jab at ACA, the Affordable Care Act, and if, from a perspective in the community, currently I would have to be opposed 
to this type of a bill because currently ACA allows folks who are uh, incarcerated in the criminal justice system to be mandated with care, uh, whether that be Medicaid, or actually it wouldn't be Medicaid, it would be uh, some sort of private uh, coverage. Uh, however, that is huge and that is a game changer for uh, us as community members. And I also think that when you're talking about uh, reinvesting, so say this, this produces this sum of money that's going to get reallocated to schools, roads, Medicaid, whatever, uh, you start seeing uh, people who provide services to folks coming back into communities, mental health, uh, psyche, people with psychiatric backgrounds who need attention and uh, substance abuse having to find uh, services provided inside of the criminal justice system and that would uh, in turn make small uh, community entities who who work in harm reduction and substance abuse and mental health have to opt out of these programs making those services unavailable to people who would be coming back into our community. Okay. Well, let's get next to it. The GOP presidential candidate Ted Cruz will speak at the Colorado Republican State Convention next week in an attempt to woo Colorado's 34 unpledged delegates. All three candidates have been invited to speak, but so far only Cruz is confirmed. However, there are some reports that show that Donald Trump may visit Colorado next week. David, as it stands right now, which of the three candidates do you think has the edge in Colorado? Uncommitted, which is, <laughs> uh, and that's what I think the the party will continue to, to vote for. The, the Trump, when you play a game, you can have some side metrics. Like when you play football, you can look at what was the quarterback's passing percentage, how many offensive yards were gained, which team had the most sacks, and those are all interesting statistics. But the winner of the game is the one that scored the majority of the points according to certain rules about how you get points. In the race for a presidential nomination, the winner of that is whoever achieves the majority of delegate votes at the party's <clears throat> national convention. It's not something you win by getting the most free media on CNN or leading the most in the polls last year, which uh, Mr. Trump apparently thinks is what entitles him to the nomination. There's only thing that, one thing that entitles you to the nomination, and that is securing the votes of 1,237 delegates, the majority. The Republicans as a whole, I think, are recoiling at Donald Trump, who is now quite clearly a guy who will lead the party to a presidential defeat unknown in the history of American presidential politics. He will do worse than George McGovern in 72, worse than Mondale in 84, worse than Goldwater in 64. Whereas on the other hand, they have Ted Cruz, who in the polls would probably have a close re-election campaign, would probably lose to a likable presidential candidate like Joe Biden, but against Hillary Clinton, it would be a, a close and tough race. Or John Kasich, who would probably win 40 states. Um, and I think the party... Uh, the Republican Party is not a suicide pact, and Colorado's Republican delegates are ultimately not going to choose a candidate who hasn't even taken the job seriously enough that he's supposedly auditioning for to have developed thoughtful positions on anything beyond the level of, of, of cheap sloganeering. Ben, do you think the GOP delegates are going to keep their, as uh, uh, David recommend, not recommends but suggests, of be, staying uncommitted, will they keep that status so they can walk into Cleveland with probably a lot more influence? I think that they will keep the status, and I think that you're right, they will get some leverage from it. Um, 
you know, commenting more broadly about the Colorado GOP, I, I will say it may not be a suicide pact, David, but they have certainly arranged a lot of circular firing squads <laughs> in the true. last several <laughs> election cycles. And frankly, there doesn't seem to be any relief on the immediate horizon, uh, which personally I find too bad because I think that we are missing out on uh, an opportunity to have some real meaningful debate dialogue and discussion about pressing issues in the state and frankly we have one party who is playing the obstructionist role and not much else and also can't get organized or find anybody to coalesce around um, so it's deeply disturbing and frankly it leaves the other side sort of talking to themselves and equally ineffective so it's a sad state of affairs. Alex, when you look at the three uh, candidates that we know of, and, and you know, uh, barring some sort of uh, wacky thing we can't even predict at the convention, if it's the three candidates that we know of right now, the Republican side of things, which do you think would do best in Colorado as an entire state? Well, um, it's interesting because the, the Republican Party, I think we have to, especially the three candidates who we're focused on, we have to be very uh, cognizant to, to the things that they're saying. I mean, this is... This is, uh, this is a very critical moment in the national momentum uh, that we've seen gearing towards uh, a, a shift in thinking, a shift mm -hmm. in treatment of people. And currently, I, I, I keep having to remind myself that the, the numbers that we see for Cruz, the numbers that we see for Trump, uh, reflect a, a, a good foundation of what this country has been constructed on. I'm not saying that the Republican Party uh, is 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 doomed per se, or is is some would say if Donald Trump's nominee, it at, might be at this point. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows which way they'll go? But I continuously remind myself that the things that they're saying are lineage, and this is this is history catching up to us. Um, currently, I like to think that Cruz. Uh, I honestly don't know who's, who would do better amongst mm -hmm. the three. I mean, I think all of them have their danger points. I think that when we're allowed to feed into rhetoric like this, it is more divisive uh, mm -hmm. than anything else. So, um, we'll read, it like, remains to be seen. Yeah, the, the sure. lesser of two evils at mm -hmm. this point. Um, I don't have a favorite Republican uh, candidate. That's okay. There's probably a lot moment. of folks in that camp yeah. at this point. Patty, when you look at the candidates left, uh, do you see uh, any with a distinct advantage in Colorado that might actually show up in Cleveland a few months from now? <clears throat> well, I think Kasich would have an advantage because we've got to look at, in Colorado, you still have the fairly moderate Republicans who, are num their numbers are great and I think have learned some lessons Dan Mays, for example, <laughs> over the years. So I think they might really be looking for someone who could give them a win. Now that's assuming Kasich can get the numbers he would need in the delegate things. It's interesting that by, by the Colorado's Republican committee board, when they said we're not going to do the poll, we are not going to pick our candidate back in March, they kind of defied their own party members. They, they didn't give their own party members a voice, but they've given themselves a very powerful voice come Cleveland, so I don't think they're going to decide anything now. And I, can't, I would hope Trump comes to the state, after his description yesterday, his flip-flopping on abortion, I would like him to come to the first state in the union to legalize abortion and try to actually explain what he said yesterday. And also the first state in the union that gave the right to vote to women. Yeah. True. Great to explain some of those comments as well. Arthur Gonzalez, the CEO of Denver Health Medical Center, announced his retirement this week. The news comes on the heels of the resignations of three of the hospital's five neurosurgeons and other complaints about his leadership over the last four years. 
Ben, uh, four years is a pretty short tenure. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, tumultuous news coming out of Denver Medical Center. What's your take on the retirement news? Well, retirement is a kind term, I would say. Uh, you know, the neurosurgeons resigned. The ICU nurses have complained. Uh, four years may seem like a brief amount of time, but it's uh, plenty of time to do a lot of damage. Um, you know, generally speaking, the staff there has been upset because the focus on patient care and cleanliness has really gone down. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And, you know, last week the ICU nurses finally voiced their displeasure to the health authority board, and now we have this action. It's very nice that the gentleman is calling it a retirement. You know, I would point out that this is the third consecutive post that Mr. Gonzalez is leaving under not very good circumstances. So, frankly, this does not come as a surprise. I think that the decision to hire him four years ago was misguided. The mayor of Denver, once again, uh, is completely silent, even though he is totally responsible for this. Now uh, go into that because it's not named by the mayor. So. It's not. And so the way to kind of connect the dots is that the health authority board, which is separate and independent, is appointed by the mayor. So when uh, Mayor Webb created this uh, authority, it was really to get Denver General at the time, now Denver Health, out from under the city um, personnel and procurement policies that were really hamstringing the hospital. The hospital from that time when Webb did that action up until, you know, with Cat Patty Gabo in charge, really uh, excelled and grew. The University of Colorado sends their doctors to Denver Health to help treat the indigent. It's a really f wonderful facility that in the last four years has gone severely downhill, again, because of these decisions to de-emphasize cleanliness, de-emphasize patient care, and really alienate the staff who are, of course, the lifeblood of the hospital. The, the reason that this, again, comes back to the mayor is because he controls the Health Authority Board, and he gave no public signal uh, and is yet to even comment on this, which is lamentable, uh, to say the least. So, you know, it's a big, complicated mess. Uh, this is squarely at the feet of the mayor, um, and there's going to be a lot of work to do to clean it up. Just because Gonzalez is now on the way out very slowly does not mean that the picture has really improved. They've okay. been able to retain some of the neurosurgeons. The nurses are staying there. But these issues with cleanliness, with patient, with patient focus are still real. Um, there, there are massive problems with their IT infrastructure where Gonzalez has made huge investments and has had to cut medical staff to add technical staff, which makes not a lot of sense for a hospital. Um, you know, it's, and it's a huge problem. And I, you know, I'll, I'll wrap up by saying this. Denver Health is critically important for the health of Denver and the metro area because they treat indigent people and because they are funded to do so. They're a level one trauma center, and if we lose that, Denver is going to suffer badly because it's likely in that scenario that the University of Colorado Hospital would then take that level one trauma uh, certification, but they will not treat the indigent. And so if Denver Health loses its status, the indigent people in Denver have nowhere to go. And you can make all the arguments that you want about public support for people, but in this country, we are supposed to have a social safety net for people. And it is a, another huge uh, black mark on this administration that they're letting this happen. Let's, so keep, let's keep the arguments rolling. Alex, as you look at the situation, what needs to be improved the most? Well, uh, if... 
you know, going off of what was said, if patient care and cleanliness are some of the major components that have been uh, neglected under his watch, I can't help but think about what's happening to folks who are uh, demanding, requesting, and in need of care in the city jail. Uh, some of the major complaints that we've seen recently have to do with uh, medical maltreatment uh, or neglect all, all, all together. And when we see the resignation of uh, somebody who's supposed to be in charge of this entire medical facility, like was said, this is a number one trauma unit, supposed to be able to, to deal with, with injuries to a degree that other hospitals may not have the capacity to deal with. I think that that is not only devastating for the Denver community, uh, but it's a loss for, for folks inside uh, who may not have the ability to, to uh, outsource other forms of medical treatment. Uh, so all, all together, I think that, you know, like what was said, this is a huge blemish uh, for Denver and uh, another jab uh, at the Mayor Hancock administration. Patty, so a lot of this, I think, kind of slipped under the general radar. I mean, it was major issues at the hospital. This, uh, once the retirement announcement came out, then folks started to look into it. Um, what needs to be the next step? Actually, the Post did some very good stories on this. Um, under Patty Gabot, and even before Patty Gabot, Denver General and then Denver Health had a national reputation. Doctors chose to come to Denver Health because of its amazing trauma reputation. You know, it had the reputation as the knife and gun club. It could handle anything that was coming mm -hmm. in on Saturday night. High-level doctors chose to come here, and I think they are leaving only reluctantly because they need to change the system. Uh, Patty Gabot was an inspirational leader. I'm not sure she was great on the financial end, so... I would have argued you needed someone like Patty Gabo to come in again and then maybe put, bring another person in who could do the operations, who could do the financing, who could do help the doctors with the paperwork so they could treat patients rather than treat paperwork. And I think that's one of the problems that's come up here. I think we can salvage it, we can cure the problem, and Denver will. David, wrap it up for us. Mayor Hancock won his first term, the only one where he had a contested election, uh, by beating Chris Romer in part because the voters ultimately decided that he was a much more likable personality than Chris. But likability isn't everything for a chief executive. A chief executive needs to be able to make good appointments and have good personnel judgment. And this seems to be a continuing problem in the Hancock administration. He, the mayor seems like a very nice guy, you know, a, a good image for the, the, the city in, in a lot of ways in his personal demeanor, uh, but his appointments just, it's, it seems like one problem after another. Well, let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week, and as always, Ms. Calhoun, you start us off. Well, I'm returning to one of those long-running disgraces, with which I'm sorry to say we'll be continuing to beat up for the next year or two. The Veterans Hospital problem out in Aurora. We finally had the report come out last week about just where things went wrong and what happened and the end result is we're still way, you know, a billion dollars over budget, years and years over the schedule and no one else is going to be punished. You know, that's it. We're done. We're just going to move on. Mm -hmm. So we seem to have hospital problems right now in this town. Yes, we do. David. Well, President Obama is commendable for his trip to Argentina, a emerging, emerging back into democracy and for apologizing for the United States' alignment with the Argentinian military dictatorship in the 1970s and, and some of the early 1980s. But yet he was just coming from Cuba, where he has aligned the United States with an even more evil totalitarian dictatorship. And he, in fact, arranged for himself to have a picture taken in front of a giant mural of, of Che Guevara uh, 
the epitome of sadistic evil. Ben, what's your disgrace of the week? Well, I know many of us will be watching the uh, NCAA Final Four this weekend, and I just think that the uh, NCAA should continue to be shamed constantly. They have a $17 billion television contract with CBS, and yet the uh, young men who will be playing this weekend, many of whom, or I should say a few of whom will go on to make a lot of money as professional athletes, will be playing for free. And most of them uh, will not go on to careers making millions of dollars playing ball. They'll be hopefully getting their degrees and getting a good job. Uh, it's a travesty and it should end. Alex, was your disgrace of the week? Um, first thing that comes to mind, well, it was actually at the end of last week. Uh, Pueblo man Joel Gonzalez was shot and killed uh, after... From what's being told, um, there was a call that went out asking police to respond to a case of mental illness. There was another case of an individual who was having an episode, and yet again, police responded to the scene, ended up shooting and killing another man, uh, reiterating the statement that we've been saying for quite some time, that law, law enforcement may not be the most appropriate individuals to respond to cases dealing with mental health. Our Disgrace of the Week entry from one of our viewers this week is from Andrea Green Terry, who thinks it's a disgrace that Colorado Springs may lose the Sky Sox, the Colorado Rockies minor league team that's currently looking to maybe move to San Antonio. Time for Say Something Nice About Somebody rather quickly. Patty. Oh, it's so easy. We just put out our <laughs> 33rd annual Best of Denver, which reminds us every year this is such a great, great city. David with a great weekly magazine to That's back right. it up. Absolutely. The Denver University Pioneers ice hockey team, which is going to the Frozen Four, the national championship. Here, here. Ben. Also playing for free. Um, <laughs> how about uh, something nice, something nice. How about the mayor? Just kidding. Uh, I'll pass this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alex, you're saying something nice about somebody. Uh, something nice about somebody? Um, uh, Whoa, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> no, um, well, the Denver Justice Project, we recently got fiscal sponsorship, and we will be having a teach-in at the Crossroads Theater on the 13th of April at 6.30. Perfect. Yeah. Our entry uh, for uh, Season Nights by Somebody uh, this week is from Patrick in Denver, who says, Hope springs eternal as the Rockies kick off the baseball season this week. We hope to <laughs> maybe hear from Patrick for his disgrace of the week next week, yes. maybe about the same topic. <laughs> that is all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. As always, be sure to check out our podcast on iTunes and our CIO postgame segment on Twitter and Facebook. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. Mm -hmm.